Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and thank you for joining us today. It, it feels like forever since we've been with you. We, we had our first dark week in our last episode because we were traveling and uh, had actually used up all of our hotspot gigabyte data to they slowed it down to dinosaur speed, and we could not get our Cat Talk Radio to upload. So we apologize that this is our 180th episode, and I welcome my handsome husband and co-host who has been alongside with me for all 180 of those episodes, Dewey Vaughn. Hi, my love, my beautiful wife. 180, wow. Yeah. Sounds like a lot, you know. I know there's a long way to go, and uh, this has been a great 180 for sure. So, why don't you tell us all, all about the bonding tip of the week? Yeah, yeah. Let's start with the bonding tip. So, our bonding tip of the week is sponsored by Vitacraft. They are a German cat treat manufacturer that makes the lick and lap product that I talk so much about. That stuff is just amazing. So the bonding tip of this week is give your cat choices. And why would we want to do that? Well, probably more than any other type of pet, cats need choices. And, you know, think about it. Have you ever noticed if you confine your cat, like, to a room like maybe you have somebody delivering a new refrigerator and you put the cat in the bathroom or you put it in a crate. Notice how it gets a little freaked out and doesn't like it or how your cat always wants to go behind the door that's closed. You know, and this often gets chalked up as curiosity. but it, and, and it is kind of like that, I suppose, that motivates it. But the reality is they need choice because choice is so closely linked to their sense of control, which feeds their confidence. Another example is if you don't give them enough choices in resources, and by that I mean like beds, toys, scratching posts, etc., they'll choose their own, which might not be to your liking, like clawing up the back of the sofa. And in a multi-cat household, choices or multiple resources, we could refer to it like that, are particularly important because cats have fluid relationships. You know, there isn't really an alpha cat and a low-status cat like there is in multiple dog homes because cats didn't evolve with a social hierarchy like dogs did. Their cat relationship structure may change several times a day. So it's important you don't create reasons for them to feel like their cat roommate is a territory invader. For instance, if there's a favored bed, like let's say in front of the window in the sun, and one cat comes up and wants to lay there but it's occupied, it might cause some bullying to erupt. 
So make sure you create multiple favorite sleeping spots, multiple tall scratching posts. And remember, the more choices you give your cat, the more confident it will feel. And a confident cat is much more likely to want to bond with you than a cat that's running around feeling insecure. So give your cat some choices this week. Boy, I'm telling you, we do a lot of choices for Pico because he's got <laughs> beds everywhere. He's got a ton of toys. He's got yeah scratching posts. He's got lots of choices <laughs> to do stuff. I mean, he can go outside, inside, and his outside area is really protected. And uh, so he gets a chance to, you know, feel the outside experience as well. So I know all of our friends call that spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) And you call it giving them choices, which is giving choices. That's right. You know, when I think of choices in the context of this episode, volunteering in a shelter, I think about how these shelter cats must really feel. They are stripped of choices. That's terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And I probably, I didn't even lead off saying this week's episode is all about volunteering in your local shelter, but that is what we're talking about today. And you're absolutely right. We know when cats are confined to a small space and they don't have the ability to explore, it can be really frightening and and very confusing for them to be in a shelter. You know, and if choices leads to confidence in a home, does that mean shelter cats aren't confident because they don't have adequate choices? Well, a cat in a shelter is feeling so many things, you know, um, uh, in addition to lack of confidence. And and I guess lack of confidence can bestly be described as as insecurity maybe. But, you know, they're feeling trapped. They f- They feel fear. They're feeling defensive, you know, from people, strange people and other cats. And, of course, they are feeling insecure and confused and scared and so, so many more things. When you volunteer in a shelter, are those opportunities to help cats? Yeah, yeah, you can. Absolutely. There's... There's all kinds of opportunities in a shelter to help cats and and to help them feel that humans can be trusted, you know. Um, you know, you remember, too, a, a cat's sensitive development period, you know, in between that three and seven weeks of age. And and what that what I'm referring to is that whatever a cat is is not exposed to during that time of its life, then it it can be really fearful of later in life. So, for example, you know, some cats have lived more sheltered lives, um, you know, and they haven't been exposed to too many different things in that sensitive development period and maybe throughout their whole lives. And they find that being in a different environment, one that's noisy and threatening, you know, is very, very scary. You know, for instance, like if, if if a single woman got a kitten, you know, when it was really young, rescued it, and and the cat that had been indoors its whole life, probably rarely saw a vet, and didn't meet a lot of different people, then everything foreign is going to be scary. Men, children, other cats, sounds of dogs barking. You know, there are overwhelming smells like cleaning chemicals and other cats in a shelter setting. You know, so when someone comes along, like a volunteer, 
who is nice and maybe reminds them of how their owner interacted with them, it brings that cat a real sense of calm. And you've spoken recently about how crowded shelters are now. So volunteering in a shelter is probably more important at these kind of times, right? Oh, it absolutely is. You know, shelters across our country right now are crammed full. And, uh, you know, a lot of people blame it on on a post-COVID. A lot of people adopted pets during COVID. And now that they've gone back to work and gone back to traveling and don't feel like they can adequately take care of the pets, they're surrendering them to the shelters and the in the droves, you know, maybe it's also costs are certainly rising right now and people are finding themselves not able to afford to take care of their pets, you know, and, and then on top of that, layered on top of that is that shelters are finding it staffing just impossible right now. You, you can't hire enough people like in a service industry and certainly our, our kennel care staff falls in that category. So capacity for care in a shelter is, is very low point. And what I mean by that is, you know, we might have a capacity for 2000 animals to house 2000 animals, but if we only have staff to take care of a thousand animals, then we might have plenty of space, but our capacity for care is very, very low. And, you know, the municipal shelters, the city shelters who can't pick and choose what pets they take in, they're what we call open admission shelters. They've got to take in what people show up at the door with, and they are busting at the seams. And they may very well get to a point where they have to make some hard decisions about euthanizing animals so that they can adequately care for the overall population. Now, of course, what that looks like is the animals that have medical and behavior issues are certainly at the top of those lists, you know, because they're deemed less adoptable. They require a lot more resources than highly adoptable pets, and they have a lot longer length of stays in shelters. So it it is a real issue right now and there has never been a time where volunteering in a shelter could be more important and you know i just can't begin to think about being in that environment where animals are euthanized must be very hard for volunteers how do you recommend people cope with that while volunteering in shelters. I hear that all the time and I'm thinking, God almighty, I heard you talking about that with a friend yesterday, you know, talking about euthanizing. Um, and it just seems like it just is happening all the time. I mean, I, that's got to be hard for anybody, especially volunteers. Well, exactly. And, you know, when you're volunteering, you want to feel good about what you're doing. Right. You're giving your time for free to an organization. And and it is really, really hard. And many staff, particularly, and also volunteers, get what's called compassion fatigue. You know, you hit a point where you just emotionally can't deal with it any longer. So it, it's a very fine balance, and it's not for everyone. I'm, I'm just gonna say it's shelter volunteering is is not for everyone. You know, I, I think you in order to maintain emotionally and physically healthy in that environment, you really got to have a pragmatic, realistic viewpoint of the situation and also understand it's not the shelter's fault 
that they're having to make these hard decisions. You know, someone once told me, and let me put this in context before I share this, but, um, you know, shelters often get blamed for, you know, pet euthanasia. And especially as a volunteer, you come in, you you develop a relationship with a particular cat and, you know, something happens and that cat needs to be euthanized or someone makes a decision that that is the best, you know, most humane thing to do for this animal. And, and it breaks your heart. And of course, you get really angry at the shelter. And it's really hard to continue volunteering in a place where you're angry at everybody you see. But you know, someone once told me that every story must have a villain. And sadly, shelters often become that villain character, you know, when they are in times of overcrowding. And the real issue here, you know, is not that the shelter is is having to euthanize pets because they can't care for them. The real issue is is a society who regards pets as disposable, you know, at the root. That That's our real issue here. You know, and... So I couldn't, I just can't imagine being in that situation myself. So, you know, would volunteering in an area where you can make a difference at the community education level be easier for volunteers? Yeah, a lot of times. Sure. And there are those opportunities. You know, there are many shelters now are expanding to have what they call intake diversion programs. You know, in, in Dallas, we have a partner, Dallas Pets Alive, that that uh, used to provide volunteers. They have a little kiosk they set up, you know, at the front door before someone even reaches the front door of the shelter and says, what, you know, what are you surrendering your pet for today? And if it was a medical issue or a behavioral issue, they would give them resources and say, well, if we can give you free medical care or, you know, if Molly's willing to work with you on your behavior issue for free, will you take your pet back home and give it another chance? You know, so there's lots of ways like that, that you could be standing outside a shelter and, and helping and not actually ever have to go in. I mean, and, and if you want to go in, if you're that roll your sleeves up, get in the trenches kind of person like I am, <laughs> you could, you could clean kennels, you know, which helps to relieve a burden on the, on the staffing issues right now. You can provide enrichment for animals, like with cats, you can do prey playing, give them catnip, toys, treats, and of course, lots of love. You know, you can help cats get adopted. So you can help with the space problem by being an adoption counselor. I call it a matchmaker, you know, a matchmaker for people who come in looking for new pets. There are also neonatal volunteer programs where you can bottle feed little tiny kittens and puppies. And, and of course, there are behavior modification programs like I do that deal with the aggressive and uncomfortable cats. And, you know, they usually also have admin opportunities like data entry and follow-up calling adopters. You know, that's really important too, to keep returns down. I, I so often see cats return after being in someone's home for four days and a cat is just not going to settle into a new environment in four days. So maybe if a volunteer called and said, hey, you're just doing a checkup, how's Fluffy settling into your new home? Maybe they can help them deal with some of those issues. You know, and some of those Opportunities are good because you don't actually have to be working with the animals directly. You know, it's, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's really hard 
not to fall in love and want to take them all home. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I could see this is kind of where a lot of people reaching into their heart could also create some hoarding cases, you know, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, people try to save cats and dogs for shelter youth from shelter euthanasia by taking them home. And then before they know it, they have a dozen or so, and they really aren't able to take care of that many. And, you know, that's, you think you're saving them, but are you really? Yep. That, that is so true. And it happens a lot. You know, our, our some of our more well-meaning volunteers become hoarders. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you have to go in there and have a really strong resolve on how many pets you can truly care for in your home. And, you know, and, and also not to feel saddled with just more responsibility than you can emotionally or financially provide. You know, we did an episode on how many cats, you know, should you have? And we really talked about that. You know, do I have time and money and things like that? Do I, you know, am I okay not traveling? Because how are you going to have somebody come cats at a dozen cats, you know? So, you know, and I personally, I've been there. I've been tempted. You know, I, I there was a case in Dallas, really sad case of uh, a hoarding case, a, a transient man who was living in a Motel 6 with 16 cats and oh, they were cow i know right oh you know and we weren't about getting in a hotel with our one and this guy wow. was like, I no guess, way yep Jesus. yep long-term living in a motel six with 16 cats and then of course oh, and God. and and they were all gorgeous they were all orange they all look like pico and of course you know if you listen to our hoarding cat episode a few weeks ago you know that Hoarding cats coming into a shelter are extremely shy because they just haven't had a lot of socialization. No one has time to socialize 16 cats in a day, you know. And I guess this guy got got to a point where, of course, he couldn't pay his hotel bill and all of the cats were confiscated and, uh, and brought into the shelter. Well, there were some of them, you know, got adopted a few handful for maybe were really outgoing and friendly and settled in and seemed appreciative actually of the shelter environment and got adopted. You know, several others went to rescue partners. They, they took them on. And then there were like four left that just weren't making progress as fast. And, and I was working with them in a, in a behavior modification capacity. And there was one in particular named Valimar. I, I named them all. I named them all hotel chain names oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and one and a hotels named Valimar. And so I named this guy Valimar and, and he was making progress, but you had to move really slow around him and you had to take your time, you know, getting close to him before you could really touch him and you couldn't really pick him up. And, you know, and he'd been there three weeks and still wasn't making a lot of progress. And so I've made sure I put notes in the system that said, you know, don't euthanize this cat. I will take it home if it comes to that. Well, I guess those notes got overlooked. There's a window in the Chameleon software program where notes are put in, and it was below the window reading pane and and just didn't get read, and the cat got euthanized. And I was so upset. I I almost quit 
I, I was just like, this is more than I can deal with. You know, I mean, I was going to adopt that cat. And, you know, it's hard not to feel like it was done on purpose to spite you. You know, and I say that because they're always also in a shelter setting seems to be tension between staff and volunteers. And yeah. that's probably another, you know, an, another aspect that, you know, I guess it's just a reality and maybe it isn't that way everywhere, but it's certainly been that way in, in every shelter I, I have come across. You know, volunteering in a shelter is sounding like a really hard thing to do. I mean, I, I've discovered that I would think I couldn't do it. I couldn't do what you do for sure. That's a, a tough and emotional thing. And you're, you're in an emotional roller coaster. You have to acknowledge that some of the pets you care for might just be euthanized. I could see you falling in love with one, and next thing you know, you walk in and gone. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of grief and loss and death for, for people to kind of deal with. And mm -hmm. um, sure, not something I could do, but, you know, they're vol the volunteers are needed and volunteers that can handle that kind of thing and figure out a way to help save those animals is a good thing. Then you might also want to adopt them all, <laughs> you know, take them home and you got a hoarding case going on. And, you know, you're in constant struggle within yourself over that. I can see that and probably feel like you failed an animal if it gets euthanized and you didn't bring it home. And then you have to potentially conflict of the shelter staff. As you mentioned, you know, that's that's tough to deal with. I mean, it's a harsh, harsh environment all the way around. Why on earth would anyone want to do that? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, now that you put it that way, I, I have definitely painted a pretty grim picture of shelter volunteering, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I say you got you to gotta yeah. turn it around. What do you want to volunteer? Well, I, I, I do tend to be that way. I always want to make sure that everybody knows the cons first. But the reality is that there are so many positive reasons for doing it. For instance, you know, there's nothing more gratifying than assisting a family with finding their forever pet, you know, and feeling like you've helped to save that shelter cat or dog, you know. And it's also super rewarding to see a tiny little two-week-old abandoned kitten survive and thrive after you've bottle-fed it. And, of course, my passion, you know, is helping the cats who are so scared they're, you know, acting out with defensive aggression, you know, and I, and I love helping them through behavior modification programs. And if you volunteer with me, you might just start off working with a cat who's hissing and growling and swatting at you. And then within a week, it's eating lick and lap off your finger, you know, and, and God, that just feels great. You know, you know that that's a cat that would have been euthanized if you hadn't worked with it. So there are also a ton of really just deeply gratifying moments in shelter work. It's not all doom and gloom and dealing with death that, you know, it really isn't all that. Some days it feels like it is. And, you know, this is a particularly stressful time in the shelter systems. And so that's probably more top of mind for me. But, you know, I think the bottom line is, you know, we do it because we have a passion for the pets we serve. And some days we just have to know we can't save them all. You know, that is that is just so true. And, you know, it's heartbreaking to know that, um, you know, you go in and 
like we said before, you know, you fall in love with the cat and the next day you go in or a couple of days later looking to bond with that cat. So is, is that how you got started in the shelters, volunteering because you had a passion for cats? Well, yes and no. You know, I, I, uh, it, it's a funny story. I started uh, volunteering in shelters, and at the time, you know, I didn't have a guy in my life, and I was living in Dallas, and, you know, in Dallas, there's no real great places to hike, and, you know, 98% of the time, the weather isn't real conducive for outdoor activities, and I don't really have any you know, sports hobbies or things like that. And so I kind of found myself shopping all the time. You know, I think, I think that's why I have 60 or linear, 60 linear feet of closet rod space. You know, (laughs) I'd I'd go hit all the resale shops and come home with five new things every weekend. And, you know, that certainly wasn't very productive, not to mention not sustainable in an affordable sense long-term. So I, I thought to myself, you know, I should find something I can do that can really make a difference. And of course, I have always had a passion for cats. And so I decided I'd I'd volunteer at a shelter. And uh, gosh, I started back in the late 1990s, and now I'm dating myself. And um, <laughs> beware, was, beware. I know. I started off. Uh, I guess it was. I guess the SPCA of Texas in Dallas was the first shelter I really started jumping in and volunteering with. And and it is a no-kill rescue. I, I, I call it a shelter because it does have a building, but um, but but it is a, a technically a rescue. It is not a city municipal shelter. And then I stumbled upon the Dallas city shelter, and I saw that so many cats were being euthanized. I think at the time, oh my gosh, we had like about a 35% live release rate, which meant you know, we were euthanizing 65% of all the cats that came in the door. And I thought to myself, boy, I know this is going to be hard, but this is where I can truly make a difference. You know, I didn't have to worry really about all those cats over at the SPCA because they weren't going to be euthanized, you know, but here was a place where I could make a difference. I also knew that there were going to be lots of times I couldn't make a difference. And I decided, I really wanted that opportunity. So, you know, I started with cat enrichment and and volunteer counseling. So I would do adoption counseling with people that would come in. I had a, a sales training background, and so I was, you know, really good at retail sales. And that certainly um, helped with my adoption counseling a lot, you know. And at first, I'd sign up for like two four-hour shifts a month because I think that was like the minimum amount of time you know you could you could volunteer and quickly that expanded to okay I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for two full days a month and and then it wasn't much longer I found that I was spending all of my time off all Saturday I was there 10 to 5 Saturday 10 to 5 Sunday no breaks no lunch constant there Saturdays and Sundays and then I found I was even taking some afternoons off work to be there as well and I, I think it was about that time that I knew I, I need to probably think about getting looking at where I want to fit in, in in cat world and in sheltering and and helping cats in the world and that's when I decided that really behavior was my passion and started to get some formal training and see where my cat passion would take me. And, you know, it's <laughs> many, many years ago, you know, shelter volunteering led to where I am today, you know. 
So how would you recommend someone getting involved if they're thinking about maybe doing something like that? Um, what would you recommend they do? Well, first, know how really important that donating your time is. You know, when we, and, and not just for the cats, when we focus on the needs of others, whether that be you know, all other beings, any other being, we grow spiritually as well as individually. You know, I, I fully believe in karma. Um, so understand that going in that your time is not wasted, no matter what. Second, I'd recommend go to your local shelters and tour them and, and your rescues and things like that and get familiar with what's going on in the animal rescue community in your area. You know, really take inventory of your personal resources to help. You know, how much time do you have? What are you good at? Do you like scooping litter boxes and cleaning kennels or do you really like you know loving on cats do you find that most cats just naturally gravitate towards you and you know do you have a passion for particular cat demographics like are you drawn to the abandoned kittens or the seniors or things like that and then thirdly i'd say Talk to the volunteers you see there in the shelters and rescues and tell them you're thinking about volunteering there and ask them what they enjoy most about volunteering there and also ask them what's the hardest thing they have to deal with. And then, you know, once you kind of narrow in on some places that you think you might want to be, talk to the volunteer coordinators, have frank discussions about their euthanasia and decide if you want, if you're more comfortable volunteering with those shelters that are no kill because you know you you don't want to or can't deal with that grief and loss or maybe you can help you know and 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 still understand that not all of the cats you're going to deal with they're going to make it out alive and then just jump in with both feet and go through orientation and shine up sign up for some shifts you know it's great you're going to meet some really great people also in the process you know I mean, I, I have really great friends. I've met staff at the shelter and and other people who I volunteered with side by side and volunteers now that work with me in behavior modification programs. I mean, you really develop some great relationships with people as well. So it's a great place to meet like-minded people. And of course, you know, it's a place to meet great pets too and focus on the positive things that you can do there. You know, it's it it's shelter you know volunteering is um is a great time to make a list of all that you're grateful for at the end of each shift you serve you know and 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 love and gratitude you know not only does a shelter pet bring love into your life but you know it's it's just a really good you know, it's bringing love into other people's lives and you've helped that happen. And it, it's just, I, I'm going to tell you, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing you can do. Get up off your butt and go volunteer <laughs> at a shelter. They need you. They really, really need you. And you can do it, I promise. And if you can't and you need a sponsor or a mentor, you can email me, molly at cattalkradio.com. <laughs> go do it. Try it.
Well, then let's recap a little bit about volunteering in a shelter. You know, why does somebody really want to do that and what really makes drives them to do that? And I would have to say to all those listening out there, first of all, if you have a passion for cats or dogs or animals or something, you know, then you already have a good start and you should be out there working and volunteering. And again, that doesn't mean uh, that you go and and you rescue them all. Uh, That's just not possible. It's not probable. And it's not a good, not good advice by Molly, for sure. She's she's watched that happen. And it's really a difficult uh, thing for the cats, too, because they they go from shelter to hoarding a situation. It's not long. They're back in the shelter. And so they're at a really good risk of returning to that. So uh, volunteer your time, and it, and that's all important. You know, volunteering your time is the way that you give back. No matter what happens on the other end, you're doing your part. It's kind of like the guy walking down the beach that wanted to save all the clams that were washing ashore, and he grabs one and he throws it in, and his buddy says, "Well, that's not saving them all." And he goes, "But I saved that one." You know, so yeah. it's it's yeah. one animal at a time. And uh, the reason you want to do that is because you don't want those animals to be euthanized. And that's really so dramatically important. And if you can't seem to do that, uh, as Molly indicated here in this episode, we want to make sure that you reach out and maybe do some community education, if nothing else. You know, that's always a way to kind of give back without having to be directly involved or emotionally tied to what the shelters do, because, you know, they have a hard job to do, too. Um, you know, there's a management process in place. If we could all figure out how to manage our animals and our care and, and all that much better, then we wouldn't have shelters at the same time. So great job, Molly. Good show. And listen, all you guys out there that are listening to this show and, and, and love to hear, we'd love to hear what you have as a suggestion uh, for an episode. And if you have something you would like to talk about, just email Molly at cattalkradio.com and she will get to work on trying to yep. research the course. Yep, definitely. We love to hear your your podcast topic suggestions. And also want to ha- invite everybody to to really help support the work that we do. You know, not only am I, you know, in the trenches at shelters, but of course we're providing this Cat Talk Radio podcast for free. And hopefully Somewhere out there, people might have had a problem with a cat and were thinking about rehoming it and taking it to the shelter. And maybe they stumbled upon Cat Talk Radio and figured out some resources and and implemented them and the problems went away and they were able to keep their pet. That's why that's why we do this. We also take a lot of those shelter behavior cases for free to try to keep those cats in their homes and out of shelters, you know? And so if you too, you know, maybe you can't volunteer. Maybe you have a physical disability that just, you know, keeps you from going into the shelter or being on the phone for a long time or any of the other ways you could possibly support your local rescues and shelters, you know, then consider supporting us. And, you know, you can send us a gratuity donation if you can afford to do that. And we've made that real easy for you. You just go to the store which we call a behavior boutique on our website, which is catbehaviorsolutions.org, and scroll down past the products to the bottom. And there are some donation amounts, all variety kinds of sizes of donation amounts. You can just pick one of those and add that to your cart and then easily just check out with your credit card. 
Oh, and while you're in the store, just go ahead and pick up some of that lick and lap stuff from Vitacraft. Mm, Those mm-hmm. treats are fantastic. I watch Molly use that all the time, and she gets such a, a, a great response from all the kitties that she uses that with. It's it's amazing product. I would say go get some of that and start using it and watch things change. Take them to the shelter with you, and mm-hmm. obviously this, the – the kitties at the shelter will like it too. And you'll be the most popular volunteer of all from all the kitties. <laughs> that is true. You know, somebody, one of the volunteers told me this week that they said, you know, I swear this cat knows what that pink packet is. And I said, they do. They do. We come up and we, you know, take ripping off the top of the pink licking lap tube and the cats get all excited and they're like oh it's the pink tube i'm not sure i'm crazy about her but oh the pink tube and then pretty soon they're crazy about you too because you brought it (laughs) well also i'd like to let them let our uh, listeners know to be sure and like us on facebook and follow us on instagram too this is all volunteer based podcast to help you better take care of your cat and increase the bond between you and we're going to keep doing this as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia is, is the number one cause of death, death in cats. cats. Wow. And that really tied into this uh, podcast topic, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did. It sure did. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. Until next time, keep calm and purr on. Goodbye, everybody. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.